ministers who call Word. Somebody say Word. Word. Say Word. Word. All right, so this morning we're going to have to listen fast because uh, I, I felt impressed that you, you'd be connected with what we're doing around the nations this morning. How many think that's good to know what we're doing, to know where your sowing is going? Say, so we know where our sowing is going. Yeah, it's blessing people around the world. So I'm going to go to Psalms 119. We're going to read down through this real quick. This is our text. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the, with what? With the whole heart. Verse three, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Now watch this. When you keep it with your whole heart, there's a breakthrough. You don't, you don't continue in iniquity. Verse four, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. I'm going to talk about this a, a little bit later, but statutes are written words. Statutes are the written law. Verse six, then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your what? Commandments. Verse seven. I will praise you. Somebody say, I will praise you. you. Say, I'll give you high praises. praises. That's what we've been doing this morning. I will praise you with uprightness of what? Okay. So we're going to pursue him or seek him with our whole heart. And I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous what? Judgments. So, so we're going to take a look at this this morning and kind of break this down over, over the next few minutes here. We've been talking about the number of different words throughout that David understood the law of God. So he understood law, judgments, precepts, statutes. All of these words were very important words to him. We also need to understand that all of these things that David understood were in the old covenant. But how many know we're living in the new covenant? So he was in the Old Testament, but we're in the New Testament. We learned this last week that the, the New Testament in the Old Testament is contained. The Old Testament in the New Testament is what? Explained. Okay, so it's explained in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God gives us a better, say we have a better covenant. Thank God we have a better covenant. We've got a covenant that is based on grace. Somebody say it's based on grace. Yeah. So in the old, in the old covenant, man, they, they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. There was a type and shadow where they, where they sacrificed uh, bulls and, and lambs and they, and they, and they would do this uh, once a year, you know, at, at times when they would go into the Holy of Holies and, 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 and they would come before the Lord, but it was a type and shadow of what would come because what actually came was the new and better covenant. And that's the covenant that Jesus brought to us when he went to the cross. Amen. So his blood was better than, than lambs and, and, and bulls. His, his blood was a perfect spotless lamb blood. Okay. And he cleansed us once and for all say once and for all. Yeah. So we don't have to every year bring a lamb and and do a sacrifice before the Lord. That was a, that was a, a type of what was coming. So we understand that today, but I want you to catch this because Let's go back to uh, Psalms 119 one more time. And let's look at verse 3 real quick one more time. Psalms 119 verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Back up to verse 2. In verse 2 he says, blessed are those who keep his what? 
and who seek him with the whole heart. Now, I want you to catch this because David understood the courtroom. He understood it. He understood it differently than we understand it because he was a king. They were in a kingdom and not just in a democratic situation like we are today. They understood, he understood that when he spoke as a king, his word became law. When he spoke, his word became law. So he understood that the law was important. He understood that if a king accidentally said something, it became law anyway. If he out of anger said something, it became law because he spoke it. And I can prove it to you back in the Medes and, and uh, Persians, back, back in that day, you know, when, when, when they found out that Daniel, you know, was bowing and, and the king realized, oh my goodness, I made a, I made a law, I spoke, it, I spoke it and I can't counteract it. And, and so Daniel had to go into the lion's den, but he came out. How many know that God shut the, the mouths of the lions? And so, so the king recognized that there was a king that was over every other king. And so his word was law. And so in the Old Testament, he understood this. Now, that's a picture. So there's this law, and then there are testimonies. Testimonies have to do with, with so if you, I want you to think about this as we're studying this, like a courtroom. So the law is, is, is the law of God. The testimonies are like the, the evidence. It's like the facts or the witnesses. So we have all of these things going on. Then, then as we move along, we, we look at some other statutes. We'll see the word statute. The word statute is a written law. Now, in the garden, God said to Adam, don't eat of that tree. How many know when God, king of kings, when God said, ancient of days, said, don't eat of that tree. How many know that became law? It wasn't written anywhere. He just spoke it. But a statute... A statute is, a, is when a law has actually been written, when it's been written down. So we're going to kind of take this and, and kind of look at this this morning because it's important that we understand what happened in the Old Testament. Let's go to Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah 31 and verse 33, I believe it is. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of... I feel like running right now. You're not getting this yet, but you're going to get it. Say, I'm going to get it. Say, if I get it. I'm going to get it. Yeah. So if you get it, you get to have it. So that's, that's how important it is. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it. Where? So we found out we, when we seek him with an, with our whole heart, that his testimonies become powerful in our life. We're finding out, um, well, we'll keep, we'll keep going here. After those days, said the Lord, I will put their law in, my, in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now listen, this isn't a God who's way up there somewhere. Our brother told us about three billion gods in India. I mean, they, I went into a, I went by a temple uh, there when we were, we were in India. And I remember they rang a bell and they clapped their hands. And I said, what are they doing? They said, well, they're waking up their God. You know, um, I'm not making fun of them, but I am saying this. I thank God that my God never sleeps nor slumbers. I don't have to wake him up. In fact, the Bible says in him is neither shadow of turning. It's a direct correlation to the, to the sundial. The only time there's no shadow of turning on the sundial is when the sun is at peak performance. Understand this. Just like when uh, LeBron James has a peak performance game. 
He doesn't always have a peak performance game, but when he does, when he scores 50 points in a game, I mean, it's incredible. Well, that's how our God is. Our God is always at his peak performance. He is always at high noon. There is no moment where the enemy catches him off guard. Not one time did you have a diagnosis from the doctor that he was worried about it. He already sent his his son to make a way for you to be healed. Not one time when you got a bill in the mail that you didn't know how to pay was God worried about about it thinking where are we going to get it the bible says he owns all the gold and all the silver belong to him not one moment did he have a, a, a worry because when he speaks out of his mouth the whole earth the whole universe goes into action to make it happen in fact the bible said by faith the worlds were framed in other words, the eons, the times, the, the, the land, everything began to unfold sequentially when God speaks. In fact, the word framed literally means that it unfolded in time. So when God spoke at the beginning, he was thinking not only about Adam in the garden, but he was thinking about you in Trinity Gospel this morning. And, and in his heart and in his mind, everything you would ever need would begin to come towards you as you begin to receive what he was speaking. So whatever you need to accomplish your assignment, I'm not talking, you, you may not need a Porsche, you may want it, but you may not need it. But whatever you need to accomplish your assignment in God starts coming towards you when you decree it. I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it in their hearts. Why is this important? Because it becomes a statute when it is written. You understand uh, on Pentecost up on the mountain when, the, when, when God came down and, 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 God, and God wrote God wrote in the stone. He was making his word a statute. And in the New Testament, in the better covenant, this is so powerful. In the better covenant, in the law of God, you and I, we have the word of God. And it's how we live our life. But we need to understand something. Let's, let, let's go on to the next passage, the next scripture, if you would. I think it's uh, whatever I gave you. <laughs> if you've got it, bring it up. I think it's uh, Rome, is it, uh, Romans 2 or, or Hebrews 10. Romans 2.14. When the Gentiles which have not the law... Do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Woo! Wow! Go back to verse 14. You didn't get it. When the Gentiles say that's us. Yeah, which have not the law. In other words, you know, a good, a good Hebrew boy would have, would have memorized the Torah by the time he got his bar mitzvah. He would have memorized all of the five books of the law. But he says, which not, we, we don't have the law. Do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves. And go on. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. Even an unbeliever... Can, can you get this picture? God is writing in the hearts of even unbelievers, thou shalt not murder. 
don't rape, don't, don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie. That's why even the smallest child, when, when they do these things, have this shame that comes with a sense of guilt because they know it is written in our hearts, even in the new covenant. Let's go to, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. In other words, like I said earlier, the law required a sacrifice every year. And he said, but, but those sacrifices couldn't make us perfect. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. So, so how many understand the people who were bringing their sacrifice were actually coming to worship? Verse 3. But in the sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year in the Old Testament. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Go to verse, I think it's uh, 16. Yeah. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. After what days? The days where they did sacrifices every year, once a year to try to. Can you imagine only once a year getting to come to the altar? Only once a year, hoping that you made it through the year and, and, and that you would. Listen, now we come to Jesus. We ask him to forgive us our, of our sins. How many know that he's done it? Now, I'm not saying that you can't go back out and sin once you've been saved. Many people do. But the point is his grace is sufficient. Say his grace is sufficient. This is the covenant I will make with him after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds I will write them. Wow. And their sins and iniquities, what? Woo! He says, I'm not going to remember them anymore. The problem with most believers is they keep coming back to God with old stuff. And God keeps looking at them like, what are you talking about? We keep, the devil beats up, beats up on you and you think, well, you know, this is happening because I made so many mistakes. Let me tell you something. Jesus already paid the price at the cross. He paid the price. Now, let's go back to Psalms 119 and verse 2. Psalms 119 and verse 2. Let's look at this again. Blessed are those who do what? And who do what? Seek him with the whole heart. Even as believers, he's calling us to seek him and to seek his word with our whole heart. Unfortunately, what we do is we just read his word enough to get by. We just maintain our cars just enough so that we can keep driving them. The tires are out of alignment. Some of us have one tire out of alignment. Some have two, some have three. Once you get to four, you're driving down the road like this. Wonder what's wrong with my car. You bought it brand new. But now the car is out of alignment. Many of us are out of alignment with the word of God. We're believers, we're going to heaven, but we're living like we're not going there. We're going to heaven, but we're living like the ride is really rough. And how many know when you come into alignment with his word, you keep his testimonies with your whole heart. Go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When? 
Huh. Wow. I thought we praise them on Sunday morning when they start the music. And by the way, if they do a good job, I will enter in. If they really, really, really sing a song that I like, then I'll praise him. But if it's not my style, I may just sit through it like this. My God, I can't even imagine God enjoying that guitar. Hunter, you need to get right. Thank God we have Pastor Michael Kelly because he can play the, play the keyboard like David. So we have that. So what is this whole concept of I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments? Go to Psalms 149. Psalms 149, verse 1. Psalms 149, verse 1. Praise you, the Lord. Sing of the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. So we did that this morning. Let's go on. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Isn't it funny he has to say let? All these words, let. Let the people praise him. Let them be happy in their king. Let them rejoice. Because everything's trying to steal your joy. The news is trying to steal your joy. The, the, the community, there's so many things going on. It's all trying to steal your joy. But let them be joyful. And this is let them praise his name in the... I remember when we first started having dance in church. Jesus help us. I came home from Oral Roberts University a long time ago. And, and, and one of the ladies from the church, they, they, were, they were doing dance down in the front. And this lady caught me. She was in the, in the back. And she said, she said, Dana, I want to see you. I said, okay. And, and, and so she said, uh, she said uh, you know, um, I used to dance when I was in the world. I said, well, I never was really in the world in that way. I didn't go out clubbing. But I can tell you this. Uh, when I got saved, it changed everything. I was two years old. I kicked the bottle. It was a milk bottle, but I kicked it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I said, I said, you know, when we get saved, we don't stop dancing. We just change partners. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. Keep going. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with what? Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing upon their beds. Look, look, even when you're at home, you can rejoice. Even when you don't feel good and you're laying down in your bed, you can praise him. I remember one time I was in Mexico. Uh, I had uh, Montezuma's Revenge. If anybody doesn't know what that is, that's what you can get when you're in Israel too. If you drink the water, it'll make you run in the places Jesus walked. 149.6, let the high praises, somebody say high praises, high praises. of God, God. do what? And a two-edged sword in their hand. I want you to catch this. Put praises in your mouth and the word in your hand. The word of God is like a sword. You have the authority. Now, Old Testament, Old Testament is flesh and blood. New Testament is spiritual principles. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirituals. How do I give a high praise with my whole heart for the testimonies of God, for the judgments of God? 
How do I do that? Well, high praise is more than just singing on Sunday. High praise is an act of sacrifice. One of the highest praises you can ever give is an act of worship. An act of worship, the highest form of worship is repentance. The moment you agree with God and you say, what I'm doing is not right, what you're doing is right, Lord. That moment we have entered into an act of high praise. The moment that we forgive somebody that doesn't deserve it. Now watch this, anybody you forgive didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it when God forgave you. But forgiveness is an act of high worship. It's not just kind of, kind of going around through the motions. Uh, forgiveness is an act of high praise. When you sow and you have the, the woman with the widow, the widow with, with, I always say widow, widow, the widow, widow, the little widow, the widow woman, she had, she had uh, two mites. Always makes me kind of like, like Worcester. I feel like I'm not talking plain when I say Worcester. But uh, the widow, widow, she had, she had two mites. And those two mites were less than two pennies. But Jesus said, behold, she's given more than all of Israel. When you make a sacrificial gift, it is a high praise. Somebody say it's a high praise. All right, so let me tell you what a high praise is. I just got a couple minutes here. A high praise is a praise that is released before the answer arrives. See, see, I've got the word from the Lord. I've got his testimony, but I haven't seen the manifestation of it yet. Say, a high praise is a praise I release before the answer arrives. Say this with me. A high praise is a praise I release in spite of my circumstances. Yes, so the word of God I give in spite of my circumstances. Somebody's about to give a high praise in the, in the room. Somebody needs to praise him because you're already healed. Somebody needs to praise him because your debt's already canceled. Somebody needs to praise him because your marriage is already being mended by the Spirit of God. Somebody needs to praise him because your child is coming home. Your child is coming home. Somebody needs to praise him because your son or your daughter that's out in the military on the other side of the world, your grandchild is being protected by the power of God. Somebody needs to lift up a high praise in spite of your circumstance. A high praise is a praise that silences the enemy. Mm. The enemy's just talking in your ear. You're not going to get through this. You're not going to make it. Everybody in your family dies by the age of 45. The enemy's just talking. I praise him anyway. I lift him up. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's one who takes me up, lifts me up. The moment you start talking like that, the devil has to shut his mouth. You want to, uh, who was it that said the other day, somebody said, 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 why? It was Pastor, Pastor Michael last Sunday night, Pastor Michael Kelly. He said, he said something like this. I, I may not get it exactly right. He said, why is the devil up by your ear when he's supposed to be under your feet? Man, was that a great word. A high praise is a praise that's a catalyst that changes atmospheric pressure. It changes the atmosphere. You don't like what's happening in your home? Get in there and start lifting a high praise. You feel like there's, there's, there's conflict? Come on, just lift up your hands. The old, the old saints, they used to just say the devil is a liar, and they begin to say, glory to God, I thank you, Lord. This house is covered by the blood of Jesus. This house is filled with the glory of God. This house is about to shift. Atmospheres are about to change. Peace is about to be released. Wow. A high praise is a praise that requires a sacrifice. 
If you don't connect a sacrifice with it, it's just lip service. You say, you you mean give an offering in church? No, I mean lay down your life. Yes. Wow. A high praise is a praise that connects people to the heart of God. The moment you start praising like God, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them. And Stephen, who was being martyred, they were stoning him. And he said, lay not this sin to their charge. Give me that, that chair right there. Stephen, Stephen is being stoned. And while he's being stoned, all of the sudden, they're, they're killing him. A high praise rises up out of his spirit. A stone hits him in the head. He's hemorrhaging and bleeding from his brow. He feels like he's about to die. But in that moment, he starts to act like Jesus. He, he doesn't say it the same way Jesus said it. Jesus said, forgive them. They know not what they do. But, 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 but Stephen says, well, what's that? What Jesus said? What he said? What he said? Lay not this sin to their charge. Jesus was on the throne. The Bible said in a vision, Jesus stood up. I want you to get this. The moment he started acting like Jesus, I could just see Jesus. My God, my, that's my boy. That's my boy. I can't sit for this. That's my boy. Daddy, see what he just did. See what he just did. That's a high praise. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a high praise. All right, we gotta we gotta stop this. You guys are preaching. You're preaching me to death. Stand up on your feet. How do you live with a whole heart seeking God? You got a high praise in your mouth, and you carry the sword of the Lord in your hand. The law of God, the statutes of God. You say, well, I don't know what to do. I, I haven't memorized all the scripture yet. No, but you got a Holy Spirit writing it in your heart. Say it's in my heart. So if you don't have the written word in your hand, you got it in your heart. There's a red flag in your spirit. It's called the Holy Ghost. And he says, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a a conviction. It's not a condemnation. It's a conviction. So pray with me now. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Lord Jesus, come on in. I give you high praises. I thank you in advance. I thank you for shutting the mouth of the enemy. I thank you for lifting me up, raising me up. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need a personal prayer and ministry, our care ministers will be here in the front. We love you. God bless you.